What's going on, everybody? Austin here with The Extra Point. In this podcast, we're going to be going over the NFL coaching hires. What we're going to do is I'm going to give a grade to each team for the hire that they made, and I'm going to give a grade to each coach for the destination that they uh, chose to accept. So without further ado, let's get started with the New Orleans Saints. This one was one of the most predictable hires. They grabbed Dennis Allen, their you know, former defensive coordinator, longtime DC, under Sean Payton. This is, in my opinion, I think this is probably a B B plus hire uh, for the Saints, and it's a it's an A plus job uh, by Dennis Allen. You know, staying in the hometown that he's been working with as an NFL defensive coordinator for a long time. One of the reasons that I like Dennis Allen uh, for the New Orleans Saints is that his defenses have seemed to almost always overperform. Uh, you know, despite, you know, what happens year over year over year, pretty much since 2017, they've had a top three run defense every single year. That, you know, coupled with the fact that each year they, they seem to grab a new player in the secondary that can just kind of fill in. They've got mainstays, Marcus Williams and Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, but then otherwise, it's been a pretty much a rotation up there. But, you know, they've got Cam Jordan up front. Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Williams in the defensive backfield. And those three those three pieces have pretty much just been all Dennis Allen needs. Uh, so it'll be nice to see what he can do with that team. Hopefully, it's a good reset for that team and for that city. Uh, I really like the Saints, and I think that this is a pretty good future going forward. If I had to guess, all he needs to do is get a quarterback, and he's basically going to be looked at in the same light that Sean McDermott up in Buffalo is. And speaking of Sean McDermott up in Buffalo, his former offensive coordinator of the last three or four years, I believe Brian Dable, is taking his new job as the Giants head coach. Now, if I'm the Giants, I like this one. I feel like I hit it out of the park. Brian Dable was looked at as, you know, a top two candidate uh, in last year's uh, coaching cycle, you know, it was pretty much between him and and Eric Bieniemy, even though somehow Eric Bieniemy didn't get the job, uh, didn't get any job rather. And you know, Brian Dable is really, really smart offensively. I I honestly don't think that the weapons that Buffalo has are really that fantastic. I think that Stephon Diggs is a little overrated, and I think that Buffalo doesn't have a running game, but he's done amazing things with Josh Allen and helping him progress. And full disclosure, if I'm the Giants, I'm hoping and praying that he can do something with a mobile quarterback with a decent arm like Daniel Jones. But that's what's going to take me to the grade that I give Brian Dable for the choice that he made in the location that he uh, chose to accept. I'm going to give him a D. The reason I'm giving him a D is just the Giants organization is just a terrible organization. Uh, They've only made the playoffs once since their Super Bowl run. That was back in 2016, I believe, which is the first time, uh, well, actually it was the last time that they had more than six wins. And in the last five years, they've never even once for one game been above 500. It's it's a tire fire there. The, the Giants don't really have a quarterback. There's nothing to look forward to if you're Brian Dable. I mean, you've got some good weapons like Kadarius Toney and Kenny Galladay and... Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley, you just want them to all stay healthy. 
because that's pretty much the biggest issue with all those weapons in New York. So again, for the Giants, if you know if you can get the good pieces around him that he needs, he's going to be an A plus higher. Uh, but on Brian Dable's side, I think this is a D minus opportunity that he took. He definitely could have gotten better jobs elsewhere. Uh, let's stay up in the frozen tundra. We're just going to move a little bit farther west. We're going to Chicago, the Windy City, where they recently just hired a defensive head coach, big shocker, Matt Eberflus. Now, when they grabbed uh, their last guy, Matt Nagy, I was kind of surprised because they normally don't grab offensive coaches. Part of it might have been because they're trying to move forward with the NFL, but with this hire, I think they just, I think they just took a step back. Honestly, like, there's no point in grabbing a defensive coordinator as a head coach in the National Football League when your quarterback is in his second year and struggled mightily with a poorly ran offense and a terrible offensive line. This is no disrespect to Matt Eberflus. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. And the, the, the pieces that he's worked with in Indianapolis over the last several years, he really turned it around. I mean, they've got Darius Leonard, Leonard, excuse me, and they've had a couple pieces in the secondary that they, they've kind of let fudge around. They've got DeForest Buckner up front. Those are the two mainstays between Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner. But other than that, I mean, defense is good. It's not some earth-shattering defense that he's built. You know, it's not like, it's not like when, uh, ooh, let's, who's a good example? Um, Brian Flores. Yeah, I mean, when Brian Flores left New England, I mean, he was, he was number one up in that defense for years. I mean, just underneath Bill Belichick, building that defense together. It's not like that. It doesn't seem forward-thinking. The Bears are stuck living in 1985. They think that they think that a big, slow middle linebacker is the most important position in football, and I just I don't understand it. And so for this standpoint, nothing against Matt Eberflus. I give this one a D-. And from the standpoint of being Matt Eberflus, choosing the Bears, I am probably going to give him an A+. He, he probably chose the team that's going to give him the longest runway in the National Football League. I, Other than the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously, which a job never opens up for them, I don't know of another position in football where you're going to get an extended window of opportunity so, so long as you can put a competent defense on the field. I know Matt Eberflus believes in his ability to put a competent defense on the field, and so for this, for him, Bears, it's an A++. You couldn't have done better. The Broncos, they hired the Packers offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. Now, if you're the Broncos, there's really only one reason why you made this hire, and that's hoping you can get Aaron Rodgers. I like Nathaniel Hackett. I don't think he's, you know, some world leader. I honestly think he's a little bit more important than... Uh, than Matt LaFleur is up in Green Bay. But Nathaniel Hackett, good offensive mind. He's probably going to turn around Denver's offense if they can get an offensive line, uh, you know, to give Drew Locke, you know, more than half a second back there. I think that that could really be a potent offense if they don't end up with Aaron Rodgers. However, this job that was given to Nathaniel was given in a wink, wink, please recruit Aaron Rodgers to come to Denver. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I mean, 
if I'm Nathaniel Hackett and that's the way that I get a I get a head coaching job, I'm going to take it absolutely. Uh, but that being said, it's a little bit less sexy of a job if you're Nathaniel Hackett if you don't get Aaron Rodgers. It's probably not that long of a window. You probably get three or four years because at some point, if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, they're going to do a hard reset. They need to draft a quarterback. They've got a good older defense now and a nice young offense. And so at some point, they're going to ha- kind of have to turn it over. And if you don't get Aaron Rodgers and you don't start winning immediately, somebody's going to get blamed. And it's probably not going to be the general manager that the new owner just brings in. So I like the job uh, for the Broncos. The hire is a B minus with the potential to be an A plus if you grab Aaron Rodgers. And for Nathaniel Hackett, just the fact that he got a job, uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter where he would have gotten it. It's it's a good opportunity for him. So I'm going to give him a B plus or an A minus. For the Dolphins, they hired the former uh, offensive mind of the San Francisco 49ers, Mike McDaniel. Now, Mike is an interesting case because he has followed Kyle Shanahan in every single stop since he left that 2013 Washington Redskins, uh, now known as the Washington Commanders team. Mike McDaniel was with Kyle Shanahan in Washington. He followed him to Cleveland. He followed him to Atlanta. And then he followed him to San Francisco. Or you could say that Kyle Shanahan brought him along. However you want to put it, they're they're going to be tied closely together for the rest of their lives uh, as far as, you know, what they've done together. He might not necessarily be seen like that because you haven't really heard the name Mike McDaniel a lot, but Kyle Shanahan is a smart guy. He is the best play designer in the NFL outside of Andy Reid. Now, I've got other reservations about Kyle Shanahan due to his late game clock management and uh, play calling, but that's kind of like a that's kind of like a clutch time issue more than it is how smart are you. Mike McDaniel seems to be the kind of guy that can turn around an organization with his with his moxie, with his effort for the Dolphins. I like this. I like this hire. If I were them, I would have gone a little bit harder after Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Because you're looking at somebody who has experience playing in the NFL, has a lot of experience coaching in the NFL, and probably not going to get a lot of cracks at. I think he would have been a little bit better, but Mike McDaniel is a good hire. For them, I'll say that Mike McDaniel is a C-plus to a B-minus, mainly because we don't really know a lot about him. He he hasn't done play calling, but he's always been in the room, and that that has to mean something. Now, for Mike McDaniel, this one is a little bit of a... I'm not going to say a head-scratcher, because anytime you can get a head coaching job in the NFL, I'm always going to tell you to do it. But in in the situation that Miami's in, I mean, they're being sued right now by Brian Flores, and they've got a quarterback who is young and as confident as he as he portrays that he is, he doesn't have a lot of support around him, and at some point, that is going to get at him, and he's not going to be able to recover so you have to be able to turn this offense around in year one. So there's a lot of pressure on Mike McDaniel, which if he if he likes pressure and if he can stand up to the pressure, you know, more power to him. And that's going to make this a better job fit for him. For this situation, because I'm a fan of Tua and I believe 
that they can do what it takes to put a competent offense around him. Right now, pretty much all they have is a good young wide receiver and a slightly overrated tight end, even if he's good. Uh, for Mike McDaniel, I'm going to say this is a C-plus to B-minus job opportunity. Same grade that I gave the Dolphins. Moving on, let's go... Uh, let's stay in the state of Florida and work with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Doug Peterson. Jacksonville has just a terrible last couple years. They've been in nothing but turmoil, and I like Urban Meyer as the head coach, but it seemed from the moment that Urban got there, he didn't want to be the head coach. And there's only one reason that I can think of as to why he would not want to continue being the head football coach in Jacksonville, and that's he saw Trevor Lawrence play and realized that he wasn't as good as he was built up to be. That's the only reason that I could think of and that he didn't want to be tied to that. I was on record saying that Urban Meyer should have grabbed his guy, Justin Fields, out of Ohio State. It definitely would have been crazy, and it definitely would have shaken up the draft. I don't think he had the choice. But here we are, Doug Peterson, who seems to be a very strong locker room guy. He's a very, I'm not going to say loud, but he's a really animated coach. He's a player, he's a player-friendly coach, and I think that's kind of the culture that Jacksonville needs right now. He's not necessarily my favorite choice as, you know, some offensive schematic genius. Uh, so from that standpoint, the grade is going to come down a little bit, but from a culture rebuilding fit, I don't think you really could have done better than Doug Peterson, maybe Jim Caldwell, but that that, that might be it. I think Jim Caldwell is is slightly below Doug Peterson in his personality as far as a locker room guy. But Jim Caldwell seems to be able to bring in very, very good coordinators. That's going to be the test for Doug Peterson is whether or not he can actually, you know, lock in the right coordinators, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. Who is he going to bring in to help Trevor Lawrence get to the level that he was built up to be? Remember, people were talking about Trevor Lawrence's. Is he better... Uh, you know, coming out of the draft than Andrew Luck? Is he better coming out of the draft than Peyton Manning? Is he better coming out of the draft than John Elway? Like, like who are we comparing him to? You know, when, uh, you know, when Mel Kuyper was looking at his all-time ever big board, is, you know, John Elway, one, Josh Allen, two, Ryan Leaf, three, like these guys are all, or Peyton Manning, three, Ryan Leaf, four. He had Andrew Luck, five, and then he put Trevor Lawrence at six. So, like, I mean, he's all, all these fantastically gifted quarterbacks right up in the top. Mel Kuyper missed on the one, obviously, Ryan Leaf. But is he going to miss again with Trevor Lawrence? That's the question that Jacksonville has, and they're hoping that Doug Peterson has the answer, and they're hoping that the answer is an emphatic no. Let's go on to the great desert state of Nevada, where the Raiders pulled in the former... Broncos head coach, somebody that they got to play against, and they're probably good for them. But they grabbed Josh McDaniels, the former offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. And before that, he was the head coach of the Denver Broncos. And before that, he was the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. That little stint in Denver very, very much damaged the stock that he had over the last several years. If he had never gone to Denver, he probably would have gotten a head coaching job significantly, uh, significantly sooner than he just did now. He got the opportunity to take the Colts job, and then for some reason he just 
didn't get on the plane and said, I'm actually not going to take it. And good for the Colts. I think they found their guy in Frank Reich, who they like. But Josh McDaniels, what grade are we going to give the Raiders for hiring Josh McDaniels? This one was interesting. I liked Jim Harbaugh better. I liked a lot of guys better than Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels, I think, is a very smart offensive mind. And the pieces that they have in Las Vegas fit his scheme incredibly well. So from that standpoint, I think they're gonna I think they're finally gonna get to see what absolute peak Derek Carr looks like. And that's gonna be the tone set for what the, the organization is moving forward with. If we see Derek Carr just absolutely light it up, but he's still never getting to the point where he can, you know, get over the hump, win a playoff game, then I think they might end up trading Derek Carr and hitting reset with Josh McDaniels in as the head coach. Because this this year, it's kind of like when Matthew Stafford got sent to the Rams. One of the questions that was posited around in in you know sports media circles was who has more pressure on them, Sean McVay or Matt Stafford? Now the the big answer seemed to be Matt Stafford, but if you started to think about it, it's like okay, well, Sean McVay was anointed the next genius. He was given a head coaching job at 31 years old, and and he made it to the Super Bowl, but he only scored three points. And then he traded away his former first overall quarterback, two first round picks and a third round pick and said, give me that guy and I can win with that guy. That's basically saying all I need is just an upgrade at quarterback and I'm the, I'm the head coach. I'm the best head coach in the league. Fortunately for Matt Stafford and Sean McVay, they both answered that call and won a Super Bowl. I think that's what's happening here with Josh McDaniels, only instead of bringing in a new quarterback, we're bringing in a new head coach. You know, the ownership, uh, Mr. Davis out in Las Vegas now, he's basically asking himself, how long am I going to have Derek Carr in the roster? Because if I bring in Josh McDaniels and he looks fantastic as a head coach, but Derek Carr is still just a guy that's throwing th- for, you know, 4,300 yards, you know, 30 touchdowns and 14 picks and not doing anything in the playoffs or not even making the playoffs, then we're just, we're going to have to hit a hard reset. And if you ask me, if I'm the Raiders... I'm going to offer Derek Carr up to a team like like Pittsburgh, to a team like Cleveland, you know, to a team like the Colts or the Titans who have been rumored to be asking for a quarterback. And the reason that I am not afraid to trade a quarterback within the same conference is 90% of the time, by the time that quarterback exits their prime, they're not going to be, you're not going to be in contention that whole time until they exit their prime, which is why if I'm the Texans, I'm actually going to trade Deshaun Watson into the NFC and the NFC only because there's no way I'm going to let him be beating us up in the AFC for the next 15 years. But if I'm Derek Carr, who's already 31 years old, 32 years old, he kind of seems like he only has a few more high quality years of football left in him. So I wouldn't be afraid to trade him to, to a team That's going to give me back first-round picks that aren't even going to hit their prime until Derek Carr retires. But neither here nor there, the Raiders are testing out what they're going to do with Derek Carr next season. So, the hiring of Josh McDaniels, to me, it's a decent fit. I like it as a a C-plus all the way up to a B-plus, just depending. So, let's say an average of a B-minus, B, somewhere in there. 84% on average, whatever that comes out to. And if I'm Josh McDaniels, I like the Raiders. 
there's not a lot of better options that you could have taken as far as uh, number one, jobs that wanted you, and number two, jobs that had great offensive talent. I mean, you know, Hunter Renfro is a good receiver. He's more talented than Wes Welker or Julian Edelman, so that's going to help you know Josh McDaniels' uh, scheme. He's got Darren Waller, who's the best tight end that Josh McDaniels has had, second only to Gronk. Obviously, nobody's going to be nobody's going to beat Gronk, but it's been a while since he's had him. And you've got Derek Carr, who has the strongest arm of any quarterback that Josh McDaniels has ever had the opportunity to coach in Denver or New England. So if I'm Josh McDaniels, the Raiders are a pretty good opportunity. I'm going to say this one's an A- minus as far as the organization that he chose. Uh, it looks like I think I forgot to give a grade to the Jaguars and Doug Peterson. So for the Jaguars, Doug Peterson, I'm going to give an A- minus. is a really good hire, really good culture fit for them. And for Doug Peterson, this one's a steep, steep task. If he's up to it, it's obviously an amazing, impeccable job. But if he's not, it could look terrible on his resume. Uh, so I'm going to give Doug Peterson a B- for the Jaguars. Let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings, a team in the NFC North that was rumored to be going after Jim Harbaugh. But after Jim got there, and it kind of appeared as though Jim expected to just kind of be handed the job and wasn't, Jim wasn't really interested. He wanted a team that was all in on him as much as, uh, you know, as much as he was going to be in on them. And he didn't necessarily feel like he got that. So, you know, on his on his dinner break, he called the Michigan athletic director and said, hey, if you still want me, I'll be there. And he didn't even end up going back to the second half of the interview uh, for that day in uh, in Minnesota. But that being said, Kevin O'Connell, who is now the one, two, third offensive assistant, offensive assistant under Sean McVay to get a head coaching job in the National Football League, which has to be some sort of a record because Sean McVay hasn't even turned 37 and he's already got he's already got three former assistants that are head coaching in the National Football League, not all offensive because Brandon Staley is a defensive coordinator. But, and I believe the quarterback's coach, no, the passing game coordinator in uh, in the Rams facility is now the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. I can't remember his name, uh, so sorry to that guy who's not getting a shout-out in my podcast that's going to have three listeners by the end of time. Uh, but, Kevin O'Connell, let's talk about the job that the Vikings did in scouting this guy. Now, if you ask me, I like the move. I think that... Kevin O'Connell is probably a sharper mind than Jim Harbaugh is, but Jim Harbaugh is the kind of guy that could easily replace um, Mike Zimmer, excuse me, that could easily replace Mike Zimmer and not lose an ounce of credibility in the locker room as far as, oh yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. They're, you know, they're, they're both you know, strong, tough Midwestern guys that you could call no-nonsense that like to get the job done. Overall, Mike Zimmer as a defensive coordinator, uh, you know, he's really good and he knows what he's doing. It just kind of seems like he lost the locker room. And that seems to be what happened in San Francisco with Jim Harbaugh. He's a strong offensive mind that can build a culture, but it sort of feels like he, he lost the support of the organization out there. But let's stay on. Let's stay on Kevin O'Connell. I don't. I don't want to keep going back to Jim Harbaugh too much. Kevin O'Connell, who, if you ask me, didn't do a great job with the Rams' offense this year. And I know a lot of that's going to be on Sean McVay. But 
Um, you know, the running game is was the worst it's been in years, and a lot of that has to do with Cam Akers going out, but it wasn't good in the playoffs either. Uh, the offensive line, every single time the offensive line faced resistance, it folded. And I don't know how much that has to do with the offensive coordinator uh, versus the head coach there, because it's really hard to tell who's in charge. But nonetheless, they seem to take a step back. The only, the only real thing that I'll say that they did do is they grabbed a significantly better quarterback, who, in my opinion, Matt Stafford, is the best quarterback in the league as of today, right now. And going from Matt Stafford, the best quarterback in the league, with Cooper Cup, who just had the greatest wide receiver season we've ever seen, and that, that plethora of options, not necessarily high-end options, like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook, but just the the vast depth that the Rams have. And now you're moving to a, to a system with Kirk Cousins, who I think is probably the maybe 11th or 12th best quarterback in the league, somewhere around there. And Justin Jefferson, who's another top five receiver. Dalvin Cook, who's a top five running back. But after that, the offensive line might even get weaker in Minnesota than it was in Los Angeles. And I think the Rams had a pretty porous offensive line. You've also got a defense that's going to need some absolute overhaul, and they just got rid of their general manager, uh, Rick Spielman, who, I mean, he's he's a smart guy. So what's this organization going to look like moving forward? You know, are you going to be one of those offenses that just has to outscore a bad defense? And if you are, you know, are you trying to do that with an aging Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins, who's probably only going to be there for one more year, because GMs like to get their guy in there. On the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell is a good choice if you're trying to maximize what you're doing right now. But if you're trying to build moving forward, he might not be the culture guy and the organization builder that you're looking for. That remains to be seen, and we'll see what happens. I mean, Zach Taylor did make it to a Super Bowl. So, you know, it's not to say that Sean McVay assistance can't succeed. You know, not the way that we said Bill Belichick assistants couldn't succeed. But we'll have to see what happens with Kevin O'Connell. If I'm the Vikings and I, I want to maximize what I can do right now, if you think Aaron Rodgers is leaving the division and this is your time to win the NFC North and go on a deep playoff run, more power to you. The hiring of Kevin O'Connell is probably a B to B minus, or B minus to B rather, if you're being technical about it, higher. And if you're Kevin O'Connell, I mean, the Vikings have everything that you're looking for right now. The only thing that would make me nervous is how long are they going to keep Kirk Cousins? Because you don't you don't just replace top top half quarterbacks that easily in cold weather Midwestern cities that nobody really comes to in free agency. Now, there is a report saying that Deshaun Watson listed the Minnesota Vikings as one of his top two preferred destinations tied with the Buccaneers. So if I'm Kevin O'Connell from that standpoint, I'm saying, hell yeah, we got to get Deshaun Watson in here. You know, as long as he's allowed to play football, you know, those allegations, and that's what they are right now is allegations, but so far nothing's come of them. And as long as nothing's coming of them, if you can get Deshaun Watson on your football team, I'm saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to trade three first round picks and Kirk Cousins to the Texans to get, you know, Deshaun Watson. And then once I get Deshaun Watson, I'm just going to draft offensive linemen in in you know the draft do whatever i need to do to build up that offense because i know that he can handle 
you know, scoring 35 points a game every single playoff game that we need to. So hopefully for Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings can make that splash move. Aaron Rodgers leaves, Deshaun Watson comes in, and they just go on a tear throughout the NFC North. If I'm Kevin O'Connell, that Vikings job, it's looking pretty good. It's probably one of the best jobs that you could have gotten. So from that standpoint, he gets an A-. And speaking of the current and former quarterback of the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, the team that he is currently rostered to just signed a new head coach. They got rid of their they got rid of their previous head coach whose name is escaping me right now, and I feel bad about it because he only had he only had his coaching gig for one year. Uh, but they hired Lovey Smith. Now this move this move was really confusing because they got rid of a guy who was there for one year and they they upgraded him with a guy that was just on the, the team. They got rid of David Culley. So David Culley was there. He hadn't been a coach ever in the NFL. He's like 30th year in the NFL or something like that. And he finally got his first head coaching gig and he got fired after one year. It seemed kind of like a scapegoat move, if you ask me, because there was no expectation that he was going to light the league on fire without any good pieces around him. He showed that Davis Mills is who Davis Mills was supposed to be coming out of high school, which was the number one overall quarterback recruit in a class that included two attack of Iowa, who was number three, right? So Davis Mills definitely had some good things around him, but the Texans picked up Lovey Smith. Now, if you ask me, I don't know why they hired David Culley. It seemed like he was always a guy that was destined to be fired before they found the next guy. So, you know, from that from that point of view, I never would have hired him. And no offense to David Culley, I'm sure he's a great guy and very knowledgeable about football, but his time had passed him. You know, if I'm the Texans, I'm, I'm making a move for Brian Dable. I'm making a move for Eric Bieniemy. I'm making a move for a Byron Leftwich. Or, you know, you might be able to poach Todd Bowles off the Buccaneers' defensive staff. These are guys who have vast experience as head coaches. Lovey Smith is what I would consider a failed defensive coordinator that was just promoted to head coach. Now, a lot of this, in my opinion, and this just might be an uninformed opinion, I don't know what's going on in the Texans locker room, but after they fired David Culley, they fired the second black coach in the NFL, right? So only Mike Tomlin up in Pittsburgh was a black head coach before they rehired another black coach, Lovey Smith. Now, I'm not going to say that hiring Lovey Smith was purely because of race, because that, that would be incredibly insulting to him, and I believe that Lovey Smith has earned every position that he has gotten. But I don't think Lovey Smith is a good, good head coach candidate I barely think he's a good defensive coordinator. If I'm the Texans, if I'm grading the Texans, I'm honestly going to give him an F. There was no reason to make this higher. And I mean, as the NFL is moving towards offensive, offensive personnel, offensive coaches, I believe Sean McDermott was the only defensive head coach. Oh, Sean McDermott and Mike Vrabel were the only defensive head coaches to win their divisions this last year. And both those guys either have fantastic quarterbacks or, you know, fantastic 
fantastic offensive pieces around them, you know, to help carry the team. And Lovey Smith, I don't think he's a fantastic head coach, and I don't think he's a fantastic quarterback. He doesn't have a fantastic running back or wide receivers, barely even an offensive line. The only the only good piece that they have on that offense is a left tackle. Honestly, Lovey Smith is an F as a fight as as a head coaching option. Now, this might have to do with the fact that you know the Texans might have called Eric Bieniemy and, and and offered him an interview, and he might have turned them down because honestly, this is a terrible terrible choice. If you're Lovey Smith, you probably never would have gotten another option to be a head coach. So from that standpoint, you have to take the opportunity every single time. It gives you the money. It gives you the exposure. And plus, you know, it's kind of like March Madness. Just get into the tournament and see what happens. You know, just give yourself a head coaching job and see what you can do with it. But the Texans just, I mean, it, it was a failed gig from the start. There there might have been a chance that he could have gone uh, gone to Chicago and, you know, tried getting back up in there as a head coach. But, you know, from the standpoint of choosing an organization, the Texans might not, might not have had a worse option other than them. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a high, high reward as far as you finally got, you know, that head coaching job that you've been looking for. But it's also incredibly, incredibly high risk as far as, you have nothing on that team, and you're probably going to be a top five pick the next two years, which is incredibly hard to deal with. Uh, so for Lovey Smith, choosing the Texans and hiring, you know, you know, uh, accepting that opportunity, let's let's call it what it is. It's a C. You know, there's you know there's D and Fs below, and there's B and As above. It's just average. It was just an average choice because it's it's your one big break, but it's also just a terrible terrible option. And so from that standpoint, that's where I think, you know, each or each of these organizations is. It's going to be really interesting to see what the Saints can do in the what looks like now as a very, very average NFC South. The Giants, can they crawl their way into a wild card like the Eagles did this last year? Maybe, maybe not. The Bears, you know, if, if Aaron Rodgers leaves and Kirk Cousins gets traded just for draft picks, no quarterback, Bears might be able to, you know, freak people out, you know, do a crazy step up if they just get some offensive linemen. You know, who knows what Justin Fields can be. You know, the Broncos and Nathaniel Hackett, if they bring in Aaron Rodgers, they, you know, they could win the Super Bowl, no problem. Dolphins with Mike McDaniel, I mean, you probably looked at as the third best team in the division going into it, but who knows? You might be able to come in second or third, maybe if the Patriots and the Bills beat up on each other, if they, maybe the Bills take a step back, losing Brian Dable, who knows? Raiders with Josh McDaniels. I mean, the Raiders look to enter the toughest division next year. I think the NFC West is going to take a step back with the chaos around Seattle and the chaos around the Arizona Cardinals and the uncertainty at quarterback with the San Francisco 49ers not knowing who they're going to start next year. I think the NFC West takes a step back and the AFC West becomes the best division in football. The Jaguars and Doug Peterson, I don't think they have any pressure on them until at least year two, if not year three. So it honestly doesn't even matter what they do next year as long as Trevor Lawrence starts looking better. The Texans, I mean, Lovey Smith, basically all you need to do is just own your side of the football and make sure that it's taken care of. And with Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings, you know, you're hoping Aaron Rodgers leaves. But if he doesn't, you know, you're the only team that's been able to have the Packers number over the last several years. 
you're just trying to see what you can do. You know, you're just trying to you're trying to knock on that door and take them out. So from that standpoint, I want to thank you guys for listening. Make sure to let me know what you think. Stay up to date on all of our future content.